Kia ora koutou and welcome to this Auckland Libraries podcast. The talks in this series were originally to be delivered as live events as part of the Auckland Heritage Festival. Today's speaker is historian Lisa Trudman. Lisa is a regular speaker for Auckland Libraries, generously sharing her research and knowledge, especially during the Auckland Heritage Festival every year. She is currently the president of the New Zealand History Federation and belongs to several history and heritage societies. She's also an author, writing and editing for several journals and newsletters. Lisa also shares her research on her blog, Time Spanner. The following talk was originally to be presented at Blockhouse Bay Library as part of the Auckland Heritage Festival 2020. Long before George Wilder became a New Zealand legend with his prison escapes and the manhunts to apprehend him, there was Isaac Robinson, ex-soldier and serial escapee from the Mount Eden Stockade. Taking place over 150 years ago, his story spans from Narua Wahia to the Waitakuris, with at least one incident taking place in Blockhouse Bay. He captured the public imagination for several months in 1866, then six years later vanished without a trace. Lisa relates the lost tale of Isaac Robinson, the man no prison could hold for very long. James Griffiths was just minding his own business one day in January 1866. On a long walk close to the Monaco Harbour coastline, possibly from as far away as Anihanga, to his home at Little Muddy Creek between Titarangi and Langholm. Possibly somewhere around Hillsborough, a tall man dressed in prison clothes, the initials MEG for Mount Eden Jail, prominent, came up to him and asked where he was going. Griffiths told him and they walked together until they reached the Wow Blockhouse at what is today Blockhouse Bay. There the tall man hit Griffiths on the head, knocking him senseless to the ground. He took off Griffiths' clothes, took off his own and left them on the ground before putting on the stolen gear and heading off into the surrounding brush. The escape convict was Isaac Robinson, 26-year-old, 5-foot, 8-inch tall Irish Roman Catholic ex-soldier from County Tyrone. He was a man who had come to escape Mount Eden Jail three times and create panic in an Auckland only just getting used to the peace after the Waikato War. According to him, he'd enlisted in the British Army back in his native Ireland in 1854 in the 40th Regiment. The first trace of Private Isaac Robinson of the 40th Regiment, based at Burr, County Offaly in Ireland, came in 1858, four years after enlistment. He had apparently deserted. On recapture, he was sentenced on the 23rd of August 1858 to 84 days imprisonment with stopped pay and the brand of D for deserter seared into his flesh. On 29th of May 1860, there was another trial for Robinson, this time for being absent without leave, losing the necessaries, his uniform and other kit, and another charge which is hard to read on the record. For this, they again stopped his pay and sentenced him to 112 days in jail. If this is our man Isaac Robinson, the authorities clearly thought that although he clearly didn't fit in with the military life, they were going to keep him on anyway. He was shipped out with his part of the regiment to Victoria Barracks in Melbourne, Australia in 1861. 
The 40th Regiment was the military unit who had earlier suppressed the Eureka Rebellion of 1854 in Victoria and also saw service in Taranaki and Waikato from 1860. In Melbourne, Robinson tried to desert again but was captured and court-martialed on the 12th of December 1861. They couldn't really brand him again for the desertion, but that, and losing his necessaries yet again, earned him 160 days in prison. A few months later comes a report from Melbourne newspapers that an Isaac Robertson of the 40th Regiment was remanded to headquarters in July 1862 to be dealt with for breaking windows, being disorderly and assaulting James Kelly and a constable. The British Army shipped this reluctant member of the regiment out to New Zealand sometime during 1863. He was based at Te Awamutu by 1864. There is a report of a John Robinson of the 14th Regiment being charged with desertion in November 1864, which could be him, but with the details muddled by the newspaper. Indeed, Isaac Robinson does show up again in the military disciplinary hearing records on trial at Te Awamutu, 22nd of November 1864, for desertion and loss of necessaries yet again. He was sentenced to stopped pay and 112 days in jail, the prison stay likely at the Mount Eden Stockade in Auckland. Robinson was by no means the only deserter from the 40th while in New Zealand. After this, it looks like the army had finally had enough of him. Probably after a dishonourable discharge, Robinson was cast out on his own in the colony. In 1865, he found work on a trial basis for Adam Chisholm on Waiheke Island, looking after the latter's cattle and horses. After just three days, Chisholm apparently found Robinson wanting as an employee, especially considering Robinson had no experience around stock. On the 2nd of September, he, uh, he told Robinson that he'd better go. Robinson's reaction was to demand £8 in wages. Chisholm had paid him a sum equal to two shillings sixpence per day for the three days' work and told him that's all he would pay. Robinson reacted by knocking Chisholm down with a stick, demanding that Chisholm hand over £14 that Chisholm had in his pockets at the time. Robinson took the money, a gun, a pair of pistols, two powder flasks and a box of caps, threatened one Charles Vinning that he'd shoot him if he didn't clear out, and made his escape. A local Māori, Wiramu Marino, took off in pursuit of the robber and located Chisholm's gun at another house on the island. Near Auckland, Robinson was caught by Constable Lane of Howick, still carrying most of the items taken from Chisholm's house. He was sentenced in early December 1865 to two terms of three years hard labour in the Mount Eden stockade, breaking in the quarry rocks. On the 3rd of January 1866, less than a month later, he escaped and entered Auckland and Waikato history. It is said that he simply hid himself amongst the stones in the quarry at the back of the stockade and then made off. Reports came in of sightings of him at Mount Albert, going over towards the Wow. At this point, it, is fairly easy to, it was fairly easy to spot him. His only clothes were prison gear, boldly marked MEG for Mount Eden Jail. This, however, he soon remedied by meeting up with James Griffiths, striking the latter on the road to Little Muddy and stealing the necessary clothes. Robinson then doubled back, walking along the Manukau coastline. He passed through Onihanga at night and headed for South Auckland. At Flatbush, among settlers who were none the wiser, he found work with a man named Clo, all while Auckland's constables were searching the Titarangi bush, looking for him far to the west and even out towards the Kaipara district. 
Later in the month, two constables, King and McCaffrey, went to Flatbush on their usual duties. They had no idea that Robinson might be in their neighbourhood. They recognised him, though, at a house belonging to a Mrs Coyle and immediately seized him. He was returned to the city on the 16th of December, 1866. At the trial, as Griffiths gave his testimony about the attack with his head still bound up, Robinson was reported to have laughed very heartily at his lugubrious appearance. Robinson was sentenced to six years penal servitude on the 1st of March, 1866, this on top of his previous sentence. On 17th October, 1866, Robinson escaped from Mount Eden again. From March, 1866, up until a few days before his escape, he had been kept under heavy irons, the authorities careful not to just let him walk out of the prison as it happened last time. But Robinson behaved himself, showed that he was on his best behaviour before a visiting justice, and so was relieved of the irons. At around 8.30am, while he was working in the Mason's department of the prison work detail, dressing the stones brought in from the quarry, Robinson just slipped away. He took a stonebreaker's hammer handle with him. In his own words, I was told by Mr Saunders, overseer of labour, to go and split a stone. I went over and one, with one blow knocked the head off my hammer. I held it up and said to one of the keepers that I would have to go to the smith's shop to get another handle. He said, all right, and I went. I slipped between two lines of clothes that were hanging to dry and passed beside the prisoners that were washing the clothes. They, of course, made no noise about it. He hid by an officer's quarters to the right of the gate, got to the wall, dropped from a height of ten feet and legged it out across the paddocks at Kyber Pass. The guards then spotted him, but with women and children nearby, and as Robinson ran close to surrounding houses, only one shot could be fired. The chase was on. Several warders took off after him, heading for the domain. There Robinson took off his hat and coat and turned his prison shirt inside out, this time to conceal the telltale MEG marks. He then reached Parnell Road and began to head for Oraki Bay, before veering south to the Harperverin Hotel, where he somehow obtained a glass of water, reaching the Tamaki Road near Pamuir Bridge by 11.30am. From there, he doubled back out west on the 19th of October, on the road from Big Muddy Creek to the Wow District, chatting to a rather fortunate young man he met along the way. Robinson told him all about who he was, what he'd done to be put in prison the first time, and that he'd like to, in quote, get clear of the country. Swearing the young man to silence, Robinson moved on. The constables found out the following day and began to track him. Robinson also met up with a former prisoner from the stockade and walked with him along the road for a while, again chatting, before this time knocking his companion to the ground and stealing his boots and jacket. These boots, however, didn't fit. Robinson therefore needed another source of footwear. Four miles from Henderson's Mill, Robinson came upon a house owned by John Lawson of Lawson's Creek. After asking a young boy there for bread, he asked where the master of the house was. On being told Lawson was at the stockyard, Robinson headed for that building. A short while later, the boy found his master lying senseless on the ground, bludgeoned about the head, his boots and trousers stripped off. The young boy raced to raise the alarm at the nearby sawmill and Mr Bishop, who worked there, rode into town to inform the authorities. By the end of October, however, Robinson was still on the loose, last seen heading for Bush 12 miles to the south of the city. It is possible that he got a ride on a boat to Maraitai and headed south from there. 
He was finally recaptured in November in Narawahia and was quite keen to relate the excitement of his bid for freedom to the newspapers. By now notorious in two regions, Robinson was compared in the press to Jack Shepard, the 18th century English robber and five times prison escapee. The public gallery was packed for the Supreme Court hearing on the 3rd of December. Robinson was sentenced to another four years prison for escaping and six years for assault and robbery. So far, he had totted up 22 years of prison sentences in total, just in Auckland. The jail superintendent at the time was a man named Joseph Tuckwell, a former Melbourne policeman. According to Robinson, who may have crossed Tuckwell's path back in Victoria, Tuckwell had a reputation in that colony for corruption. In September 1866, Tuckwell, again according to Robinson, took away his tea and tobacco privileges and had him gagged with a horse's bit as a punishment for being too loud. Robinson wasn't the only prisoner who complained of such abuse. In the public mind, someone had to be responsible for how men like Robinson were apparently able to escape so easily from a stockade. The abusive treatment of the prisoners was described as un-English, and after an inquiry, the Auckland Provincial Superintendent sacked Tuckwell in April 1867. After protest and petitions, Tuckwell returned to Melbourne, setting himself up there as a private investigator. It wasn't until 20th of March 1872 that Auckland came to hear about Isaac Robinson again. With 18 years to go on his cumulative sentences, he escaped again. Once more, bizarrely, all the best circumstances for him to flee the prison were offered to him. He had been placed in a new part of the jail where the securities against escape were slightest and incomplete. He was employed as cleaner-up with greater liberties and simply left the prison behind. This time he was armed with a six-barreled revolver which had belonged to one of the warders. Within a few hours of his escape, he was sighted at the well, and by the 21st of March it was thought he was sighted in the Waitakere Ranges. There, a detective Jeffrey claimed to have tracked Robinson to a gorge, firing at Robinson about 35 feet away from the escaped convict. Robinson plunged into the bush, and despite searches, was never found alive or dead. Many presumed him dead. Then, in August 1872, the story sprang up again. The Thames Guardian newspaper is said to have reported on very reliable authority that Robinson was still very much alive and had made it to Hokianga. Perhaps, but in April 1873, a somewhat more credible report by the Auckland Star related that instead of heading west, Robinson actually had found refuge at the hotel at Moraitai. The publican knew him. When two Howick-based constables heard that he was back in the locality, they were put off the scent by the proprietor, telling Robinson off for being slack in his duties around the hotel and for being drunk, as if he was just another employee. After that, he headed back to the Auckland wharves and boarded the Bella Mary bound for Tasmania, pretending to be a seaman with American whalers. His identity, the report went on, was fairly well confirmed by his visible tattoos, including the D for desertion he received in Ireland. The star was pleased to see the back of him. It is satisfactory, they said, to know that the province has been relieved of one useless unit of its population and has been saved the expense of his keep. So, either he lies somewhere in the expanse of the Waitakere's or ended his days somewhere in the wilds of colonial Australia. Here one minute, gone the next. The desperado Isaac Robinson is just another faded memory in our history.
You've been listening to an Auckland Libraries podcast. You can find further information on our page at SoundCloud or see the Auckland Libraries website 